Hallelujah. So God, we thank you for your presence this morning. And Lord, often we face these challenges and often no one knows anything about them. That's that inner turmoil within our hearts. But you call us to a destiny. You call us to a place. And so we speak to the walls today. We speak to our Jerichos that in order to move forward, the walls have to come down. So for every individual that raised their hand today, for every individual that finds himself facing this challenge, we ask that you would give us that confidence to speak to the enemy, to displace the doubt and the fear and the lying words. Often those words speak to our own deficits that we are not able. And Lord, we declare the word today, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. So Lord, we stand upon your word. We receive your word. We, we exercise your word today. We speak to the mountain to be cast into the sea and we move forward into our destiny with confidence in you because the tomb is empty today. Hallelujah. You are seated at the right hand of the Father. You are living to make intercession for us. So we take hold of that truth. We displace the lie with truth. We stand upon your word. And I pray that this service will be a service of significance. This just won't be another service, but it will be marked with your presence and your power. I pray that lives will be changed. I pray that, that homes would come together because of your spirit and your presence. Bless us, we pray, as we gather around your word. Thank you for your goodness and love. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Let's remain standing, if you will. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Jeremiah. We have someone very special today. She's an aunt to uh, my wife and I. Aunt Audrey is here. Audrey Mulligan, Pastor Stewart's wife from Agent Court. Will you just recognize her. Let's just show our appreciation for Aunt Audrey being with us. Bless you today. <clears throat> Aunt Audrey loves the limelight, so I'll be in trouble afterwards. So I got in trouble last week. I came close to the edge, and people were nervous I was going to fall off. And Joel told me that when I get past here, Online can't see me because I go dark. So I'm going to try and behave this morning and stay back here. <laughs> it will be very difficult. All right. I have a special message this morning, and it's called In the Hands of the Potter. I truly believe in my heart. We're going to open up the altar uh, at the end of the service. <clears throat> Not to put you on the spot, but to kind of add some 
weight to what we're saying. I believe there are those that God wants to fashion anew. I believe there are those here this morning that you've been thinking about moving forward and thinking about change, but it's really, really difficult. And the reason, one of the main reasons we don't change or we don't let God <coughs> into every part of our life is fear. Fear is one of the greatest tools that the enemy uses. And I'm praying this morning that we're going to displace fear with faith. And the way you displace fear with faith is by obeying. When we obey as Christians, that's where the fun is. Some of you are afraid of fun. No, really. We have grown up in this learned behavior. We're comfortable with it. We have a relationship with it. And Jesus has come to address the history that you have, parents, culture, generations and to bring change into your life. Change is where the fun is. It's where the freshness is. It's where the fruit of the Spirit is. And so be open to what God is saying. He comes very gently. Comes as a gentleman. But oh, he tugs at our heart. To become more like him. So that great things can happen. Now that I've scared you half to death, let's turn to Jeremiah 18. Verses 1 to 6. Here we go. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, Can I not do with you Israel... As this potter does, declares the Lord. Take clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. Before you're seated, turn to the person next to you, look them in the eye, and say, you look absolutely fabulous. You do that?
As we read this scripture, Jeremiah is deeply distressed. Despite his tears and preaching, his beloved nation is continuing to drift farther and farther away from God. All his endeavors to change the coming national disaster failed. In his hour of hopelessness, God gives him a vision of hope. Verse 2 in our text says, Arise and go down into the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my word. And the potter had primary reference to the nation of Israel. It was chosen to be a vessel unto honor. And through its rebellion, Israel had become a marred vessel as they resisted the purpose of the divine potter. When we consider the potter himself, the potter knows his art well. With skillful fingers and imaginative mind, he is surrounded by vessels that he has made. And these are vessels of use and beauty. They are the work of his own hands. The wheel in itself is a round piece of board set horizontally on top of a revolving spindle which moves faster or slower according to the pressure of the potter's foot on the treadle. Then we see the clay. The clay is ordinary material. No beauty. No capacity for self-improvement. However, it is capable of receiving and retaining the design conceived in a potter's mind. And so what I want to encourage you in today and draw you into is that trust in the potter to realize that he has an incredible plan for your life. He has an incredible design that he desires to draw you into as you add obedience to your faith and grow in trust and become like him. You have a design for your life, but God has a design that he desires, which again is found in embracing and trusting him. On the wheel and through the clay, the potter is working into visibility, the pattern already conceived in thought. The the incredible thing is that God has a design and purpose for every single one of us. It's amazing. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. And what I realized in my own life that for some 30 years and being even being a pastor... It was all about me until I realized I've got to begin to give myself to Father God. To get on the potter's wheel. That's not an easy thing for many of us to do. It wasn't for me. But I found myself moving forward often with apprehension of where God wanted to take us. Are are we following along on our slides okay? Yeah, we're down. There we are. Thank you.
It's incredible when we consider what God wants to do in our life. We look at verse 3. Here we have the parable interpreted. I saw him working at the wheel. Jeremiah says, I, in my frustration, in my perplexity, my passion is for Israel and for revival, and they're continuing, they're continuing to go away from God. Father, what should I do? And God says, come on down and watch the work of the potter. If you're happy with your life and if things are going well and you're in a rhythm with God, then that's awesome. But if you're here today and you're searching, I I want to encourage you to do uh, what Jeremiah did. I want you to come down to the potter and watch what he does. Jeremiah said, I saw him working at the wheel, the craftsman takes a lump of clay, he cuts it into small pieces, crushes them together at the bench, uh, cuts and crushes together again until all the bubbles and lumps have been removed, and he takes a lump of prepared clay, puts it at the center of the wheel, it sticks fast, and he starts to revolve it, and as the wheel revolves, his fingers start to shape, and he starts to design first without and then within until the vessel of beauty emerges from the ordinary clay. And so when the observer watches, he doesn't know what, he, what the potter is making. But what's so amazing, his design is already in his heart for you. And every one of us are different. But the design is there as we allow ourselves to get on the potter's wheel. And most of us struggle with that, myself included, because when we look at past history, trust has been broken so many times. And so we go to the default and we go to what we are comfortable with and we stay there because of parents, culture, generations. But I'm here to tell you there's a fresh way that God has for us. It's a new way. It's, it's an experience every single day. Come on down to the potter. Watch what he does. The design cannot be seen by the observer. But in the potter's mind and in the potter's heart, there's a design. And he is so excited to bring about that design that is in his heart. If ever the church needs to be on the potter's wheel, it's today. If ever we needed his workmanship, 
If ever we needed his design, if ever we needed his fashion, it's today. So let's look at the potter. Yet, O Lord, you are our father, Isaiah says. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Watch this. God is the potter molding lives and not a matter of experiment. He perfects what he begins and he never abandons his purpose. The clay is utterly at the mercy of the potter. We need not fear, for God is also our Father, as well as our potter. And here is one of the most important things I'll say this morning. His sovereignty is never inconsistent with his fatherhood. Really good place for amen right there. You see, some of us feel, well, if I get on the potter's wheel and I trust in his sovereignty, what will I end up looking like? What's he going to do to me? And see, all of this is based on past experience and past broken trust. We've had experiences with authority, and many times it hasn't ended well. But we forget one thing. His sovereignty is consistent with his fatherhood. (laughs) Oh, the father wants to wrap his arms around you as sons and daughters. I met a young man 10 years ago. In the town of Kapiskasing, which is 12 hours north of Toronto, 400 kilometers north of North Bay. And so as we were just beginning in our interim work after leaving our church in Bowmanville, I would travel north, and every second week I would be up there. Met a young man. And I know he wouldn't mind me sharing this story. And I, I really felt God's hand was on him. He was so gifted. And I said to him, calling by name, I said, I believe God has a plan for your life. You have leadership qualities. You, you, you have giftings <clears throat> that God wants to use. So we built a, a great relationship. And so for. The next little while, I would, I would text him. <clears throat> but he got away from God, got married, had a child. And we were on vacation this winter. And he had been away from God, likely for those eight or nine years. 
And I constantly texted him, told him I was praying for him, told him I was believing with him, and we'll get into some teachings about the significance of discipleship, one-on-one commitment to one another. And I got a text this winter calling me by name. He said, I want to come back to God. He said, the church has let me down, but you're the only one that I can trust. Will you mentor me? I have to say, in all of our ministry, that was one of the most significant moments of my life. And so, God has blessed him. He's 30 years of age, and he is overseeing a large group of people. So he was coming to the city this summer. And he said, will you baptize me? (laughs) I said, I think we could work that out. He said, I want to be baptized in a lake. I told him I'm too old to baptize you in a cold lake. So we found a church with a nice warm baptismal tank. So we baptized him, my wife and I. He's working with his pastor. We just met his pastor at conference. Just in love with Jesus, serving God. They had a second child just a couple of months ago. And they found out that she has Down syndrome. So I say all of that to say this. She's right now on pure oxygen fighting for her life because of this infection that's going on. But that father is there constantly praying and overseeing his newborn daughter, totally incapable of doing anything for herself. And as I'm preaching this morning, I'm reminded of Joey overseeing River, just weeks old, loving and caring and interceding for her life. That's the way I want you to see the Heavenly Father this morning. If we will only trust If we'll only say yes to the potter. Don't look at just his sovereignty. Don't look at the fact of what we're saying, uh, that he's our champion and he's all of those. But you've got to see him as your heavenly father that only wants the very best for you. And your best is not found in circling in the desert. It's found in the promised land. As you pursue him, his sovereignty is never inconsistent with his fatherhood. And I love this. The foot that controls the wheel 
and the hand that molds the clay are nail-pierced. You can trust someone who died for you. The hands that want to fashion you. The foot that controls the speed. Are nail pierced. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. I don't always find it easy to submit to the sovereignty of God. I, I, I desire to assume the role of the potter. I will often take my own life into my own hands and try to mold my own identity. That's just the way I am. But I had to ask myself the question that Dr. Phil often asks, how's it working for you? (laughs) So after 30 years of the ministry, I said, God, there's got to be more. And there's more. (laughs) I've figured it out. It's getting on the potter's wheel. You know what I find? I don't know about you. I got to get on it every single day. And you know what? It's become easier. I look forward to it. Because I've learned to trust his voice. And trust his ways. Because I want everything that he has for me. We are the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. We are a hundred years old. And every denomination has lost its way. They've dried up like a prune and have no future. I'm here to tell you that we were born a revival movement. We need to come back and become a revival movement and realize we are nothing without the presence of God. And I'm excited to be able to tell you we took in both conferences, Eastern and Western Ontario, and I'm telling you, we were in a service on Tuesday night where the power of God moved into the room and there were over 200 pastors uh, on their faces before God. And, and, And they were there for an hour and they dismissed the service and they stayed another half hour. God's at work. We got to get back and get on the potter's wheel. You will not attract people with your building, your chairs, and your money. You've got to be attracted by the power of the Holy Spirit. We were better off spiritually when we were a pioneer movement and we had nothing and we depended upon God. And the hardest thing to pastor is success. We pastor, uh, we pastor failure a lot better than we pastor success. We've got to realize every good and perfect gift comes from above. And I would much rather pastor in a church that is 
uh, having these resources than being in a small, broken-down building. But I'm here to tell you, we've got to come back and depend upon the presence of God. It's time for the church to get on the potter's wheel and say, God, you got to come. I don't know what I'll do unless you come. We need your presence. God says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It's time for our fellowship to get back on the potter's wheel and say, God, we need you. We need you today. The daily circumstances of life when we consider the wheel, will often constitute the wheel in which our character and personality are being fashioned. And sometimes we get on the wheel and tragedy comes and we say, where is God? God says, I'm right here. I'm your father. I'm going to see you through this situation. Don't become cold. Don't become bitter. Don't become angry. Don't shut down your heart. Don't let your heart get hard. God's in control. All of God's providential dealings with us are devised to perfect his design. When I complain against circumstances, I'm really uh, directing my questions to the potter when he wants me to trust him. I, I can't figure some things out. I don't have the answers why this happens and why that happens, but I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God through it all. Through it all. Jesus said, I never leave you, I never forsake you. The clay, Job says, Remember that you're molded, that you molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? I love the, the bottom line with Job is, I, I have heard you with my ears, but after I've gone through all of this, now I see you with my eyes. We've got some Christians, they just kind of hear, but oh, when you see him. <laughs> no, no, no. See, when you, when you see him, fire starts to burn again. The heart starts to get soft. The passion starts to return. Where's the passion for God in the PAOC? Where is it? Where is it? We got to come back and find it once again. Use our resources. Use the blessings that God has. But he's still the foundation Upon which we have to build. So we must recognize that the value in the vessel lies not just in the clay, but in the art of the potter. He speeds up the wheel. He puts his hands upon the clay and he fashions it. Verse 4, the purpose conceived. It says he shaped it as seemed best to him. God spoke to Paul and said, or to Ananias and about Paul, 
But the Lord said, go to Ananias. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles, their kings, and before the people of Israel. Saul persecuting the church, killing person after person, and God says, that's my chosen vessel. Are you here today and you think of the time that God chose you, taking you from sin, putting you on the rock, establishing you? Second Timothy, if a man cleanses himself from the latter, <clears throat> he will be an instrument for noble purposes, made holy, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him for we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7 we read this. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Mm. We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good, good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Also in verse 4, the purpose thwarted. It says, but the pot he was shaping and the clay was marred in his hands. As Jeremiah was admiring the skill of the potter, the vessel was nearing completion. A flaw appeared. The vessel collapsed. It became a shapeless mass in the potter's hands. Some foreign substance had crept in and hindered the purpose of the, father, of the potter. Have you ever found that life is going along really smoothly? You're just feeling God's hand. Your wife is starting to like you again. Thing, things are improving. <laughs> and then something happens. And you say, where is God in this? I've asked it. You've asked it. That's not a time to get off the potter's wheel. Mm. Oh, that's for somebody here today. That's the time to stay on the wheel and say, God, there must be some purpose in this because you're my father. Oh, if we can grasp that. Some of you are here and you can think back of a time that you got off the potter's wheel. I, I don't know where you are. And some can argue that we're justified. We're just, I don't know. That's the time to stay on the wheel. See, God, in my mind, I can't figure this out. But as Job said, though God slay me, yet will I trust him. That's the language of a son and daughter. There's at least three reasons God's purpose is hindered in our lives, and we're going to close. 
resisting the known will of God. Most Christian lives, there's often one point around which the battle rages. Some have designed their own pattern of life. We resent the intrusion of God rather than trusting him. The secret of toleration of sin, the vessel that is marred may appear flawless on the exterior, but there's a hidden fault. There's a hidden sin that David talks about. The unwillingness to break with known sin and unwillingness to say no to temptation. We just kind of enjoy that sin and we stay in it. I love this last part. Still in verse 4. This is a word for somebody. When it was marred and it was broken and it was in a heap, God fashioned another It does not matter how broken and distant you feel. He still has a design for you and me. And so as Jeremiah was observing, most of us say, well, this is over. And the enemy has already told you that it's over. And it's a lie. Because if you stay on the potter's wheel, he'll fashion another pot. Hallelujah! Because <laughs> he's a redeemer. He didn't die to leave you as a lump beside the wheel. He said, get back on the wheel and I will fashion another pot. Your life isn't over. Your plan is not over. The design is not finished. I'm not done with you yet. Whew. That's the fatherhood of God. Though we are marred, we are still in the hand of the potter. And he just, he, he doesn't say, well, since you messed up, I now have plan B. So I had, you know, if it were me, I'd say, well, you really messed up this time. I had this really cool design. Now I'm going to get you what you really deserve. I want you to look at the word. When the enemy lies to you, go to the word. When you're downhearted and discouraged, just, just start reading the Logos. And it may take you a half an hour, it may take you an hour, and it may take you a day, and it may take you a week, but I guarantee this. Watch this. When you read the Logos, the general word of God, and you're looking for an answer, watch. There's going to come a rhema word. That's a specific word for a specific person for a specific time. And it comes off the page. And it's a word just for you. And when you know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it's the rhema word that gives you faith. 
How many have experienced that, that you've had a word come off the page? That's for me. Come on. Any, anybody in the house? That's for, Some of my lowest times, God gave me a promise. Someday I'll, I'll tell you about it. Oh, if I had time. Listen. Look at what the word says. So he formed the new pot. Watch. Shaping it as seemed best for him. Even though you are messed up and have made huge mistakes, You are never a second-class citizen in God's kingdom. He will reshape you. And since he's a God of redemption, he will use your mess to become your message. Oh. (laughs) The enemy says... You're all done. God says, you're just getting started. Come on, church. It's time to get on the potter's wheel every single day. Those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Not only did he save you while you were yet sinners, he he elected you before the foundation of the world. He also had the plan for you. The purpose perfected. I'm trying to close the perfect, to perfect the vessel. The potter uses not only the wheel, watch this, but also the fire. Mm. If the work done in the vessel is to be permanent, it has to retain the design of the potter. It must pass through the fire. Is there anybody in the house that's been through the fire? I I believe you go through the fire when you stay on the wheel no matter what. Because the fire brings out the colors that have been painted on it. In the fire, the weak vessel is discovered, the unworthy one broken by the heat. It is possible for us to break down at the fire test. We often blame the potter. We should not resist as we pass through the furnace. The flame will not burn us because he controls the fire as well as the wheel. Let's go to the takeaway. Worship team, come if you will. I don't know what holds you off of the wheel today. But I look around this house and I see some people that I know have stayed on the wheel. They've allowed the fire of Holy Spirit to take the colors deep into their life. And when you look at them, they are beautiful. And not just 
in appearance, but because of the love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and meekness and faith and long-suffering and self-control that they impart. Do you know people that have been through the fire and stayed on the wheel don't just talk about words and talk about God. That's religious. But they impart. I want to be around people who have stayed on the wheel. I want, I want to be around people who have been through the fire. And some Christians are on and off and on and off. And I, and I totally understand. But I'm going to invite you today to say, Father, our future depends upon us staying on the potter's wheel. Will you stand with me? You've been so attentive. Just bow your heads with me for a moment, will you? We've had our intercessors praying for this moment. This moment is for you personally. I'm not going to embarrass anyone today. I just I just want you to come on the journey that God's been taking my wife and I on. It's a journey of intimacy. It's not a journey of religion or being part of some group. It's just about knowing the Father by trusting Him when He allows things to happen that I don't understand. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed between you and the Lord. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Would you say this morning, Pastor, I want his plan for my life. I'm willing to walk in faith and walk in obedience. I know he's my champion, and I know the walls that I need to speak to that need to come down. So I'm willing today for some of you to get on the potter's wheel for the first time, for some of you to get back on and to trust him as your father, to see yourself as a son and daughter. And God's been speaking to you through this service, through the worship, through the word. You just say, Pastor, pray for me today. Can I see your hand? You just hold it up all across this place. Don't be shocked. That's it. Just go ahead. Just go ahead. If God's talking to you at all, this is your moment. I believe, I believe lives are going to be changed this morning. I really do. I really do. If you've raised your hand, I want you to take the next step. I want you to come to this altar. Push right in so that everybody can come. This altar is a place where we say yes to God. So if you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come. We're just going to pray for you. We won't embarrass you. But this is you saying before God, before this house, this is my time. This is my time. I need to stop just being a servant. I need to understand I'm called to be a son, and I'm called to be a daughter. If 
you raise your hand, I'm going to invite you to come. What a beautiful response. Thank you, church. This isn't easy. You see, when you come to the altar, you have to leave the other stuff behind. And you just say yes, yes to you, Lord. Thank God for our young people. Just move right in, if you will, please. Just let others get in behind you. Just keep coming. Others are coming. This is your moment. Oh, this is your moment. Worship team is going to lead us. Those in the congregation, will you raise a hand this way and begin to pray? Begin to intercede. Those at the altar, I want you to raise both hands to the Lord in surrender. Because that's what it is. That's what it is to get on the potter's wheel. That's what it is to get on the potter's wheel. Now just worship him as the worship team leads us and we're going to pray. Just intercede. Say, yes, Lord, whatever it is, whatever you want, wherever you want to take us, we're willing. We're willing to submit. We're willing to lead. Let you lead. We're willing. 